This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. This Go Camp Pro podcast is sponsored in part by Camp Gig. Camp Gig is more than just a job board. Camp Gig is designed to be the most useful matching and search tool for camps and camp staff. Camps can sign up today to scan and search through Camp Gig's vast selection of candidates. If you've ever wanted an easy button for finding your next great camp staff, then head over to campgig.com and set up your camp's profile today. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. We have created and are dedicated to this podcast because we believe that staff training is one of, if not the most important part of your job as a camp director. Staff training is what prepares your staff to care for their kids, to feel confident in their skills, to do their jobs to the best of their ability, and to learn along the way. A well thought out and intentional staff training will help you in more ways than you can imagine. And we need to help each other bring our very best. So we're gonna start today by introducing ourselves. So Ruby, we'll let you go first. My name is Ruby Compton. I am the Chief Exploration Officer for Ruby Outdoors, and I run a consulting and training company in Western North Carolina, and I do support for camps all over the world uh, for whatever they need. I'm like a freelance camp director, really, (laughs) is what I am (laughs) these days. (laughs) Love it. Sounds like a very fun job. It is, it is. Uh, Gab, not so much freelance. How about you introduce yourself? <laughs> but I was going to say, it's, um, I wish Ruby lived closer because if I knew I could just hire her in those moments, um, <laughs> I would. Um, so, well, my name is Gabrielle Rail. I'm one of the camp directors of Camp Waro. And Camp Waro is an all-girls camp in the Laurentian Mountains. And we focus on creating a positive female community. And we do that while we speak in French and in English. So you think it's hard in just one language? Try to. (laughs) So amazing. Thanks, Gab. And I'm Beth Allison. I'm co-owner of Camp Hacker and Go Camp Pro. And I was an executive director of five children's summer camps for 15 years in Muskoka, Ontario, Canada. And I'm now a consultant with a passion for intentional leadership training. So our topic today is building self-esteem in our staff. And Ruby's going to share with us why we picked this very easy, short, tiny little topic. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to make the statement that all behavior is a result of self-esteem. All behavior yeah. is a result of self-esteem. And yeah. so we have a lot of behaviors we manage at camp, but let's talk about self-esteem today. <laughs> Perfect. Succinct. The most basic human desire is to feel like belong and fitting in is really important we all need to connect with each other and in order to connect we first have to value who we are and i think in the last number of years especially we've all seen the cost of low self-esteem in our staff they often fail to recognize what they do achieve and feel good about it it can make them feel excluded and disconnected It can make them often want to surrender their individuality and conform to stereotypes that are often not positive ones. And it can make them feel like they can't handle life's challenges. Um, Sometimes they feel like an absolute miserable failure. 
And of course, we have to be careful because this can also lead to things like depression and destructive behavior and self-harm and eating disorders and alcohol and drug abuse, all those kinds of things. So we all know that healthy self-esteem is like a person's armor against the challenges challenges of our world. And there are many these days. So people with self-esteem can find those kind of challenges to be sources of major anxiety and frustration. And they have a really hard time finding solutions to problems. So for us, we want to talk about ways that if we can build our self-esteem in our staff, if we can help them work on that, if we can help them sort of realize their potential and create some sort of a toolkit to deal with everything that they have battling their self-esteem, then we can help them become their very best selves. So today we're going to give you some ideas and ways that you can do that. So let's dive in. Ruby, we'll start with you. What do you got? I'm going to say two things that I say every podcast, I feel like. <laughs> so one is in talking about esteem, I think we can, self-esteem, we can talk about it in the context of the kids, right? So if we don't have to necessarily dive right in and say, how's your self-esteem to our staff? <laughs> that may be a little much on your first few days of staff training. But I think very early, early on in your training, you could talk about how do we build self-esteem in kids? And what does high self-esteem at camp look like? What does low self-esteem look like? What behaviors might result? Um, and what's confusing is like there are going to be some behaviors that overlap. And so being able to discern and see patterns and use context to help you with that. Those are all things that we need to talk about. And when we use the context of kids, as I say at every single podcast, it feels like uh, <laughs> that then it allows the staff to engage with talking about their own experiences at their uh, level of, of how much they want to choose to opt into that conversation. So they can share about experiences based on what they've seen from kids or um, kids that they've worked with or, or you know nieces nephews kids they've babysat or they can say when i was a kid i felt this way or i still feel this way um, so it allows that opportunity for that conversation without forcing it which i think is really great um, and the other thing that i'll say that i think we say on every podcast is i think you need to start with yourself um, and really pay attention to where your esteem is and understand that um, I think we often categorize self-esteem as like high and low and then that's it. <laughs> and it's, it's a spectrum for sure. And it's a spectrum in all different areas of your life. So where your esteem sits as a leader may be really different how it sits as a partner or as a friend or in your home or at your workplace. It, it really varies. Uh, and so understanding that looking for triggers that you have when you feel frustrated or upset, um, don't just be angry like, have that moment of awareness and going, oh, how could this be related to, to where my esteem is around this? So me personally, I know that when I uh, brought a decision to my staff, whether it was something they were involved in or not, and somebody would push back on me and be like, well, why is this, is this decision? Why didn't you do this? Like, I didn't want to be with this person. I wanted to be with this person. Like, that was something that my cheeks would start to get red. And I was like, oh, just accept it. Like, I thought about it, <laughs> you know? Um, but that, in the end, that actually is, is an esteem issue that I have about um, you know, my authority and, and my decision making and some, some stuff around that. So I think paying attention just by bringing that awareness, that is a step in the right direction towards being able to function better, work on stuff, um, and continue to be, grow and be the leader that you need to be. Great. Thank you. How about you, Gab? What have you got to start us off? I was just, I was just reflecting on what, um, Ruby was saying. And I, I think that, um, I think we need to call it like the camper inception technique. So, you know, because we talk about this so often that 
sometimes when um, subjects are too close to home for our staff members and we're trying to have them understand it, it's so much easier for that to talk about certain topics when we're chatting about it in the, in the context of uh, campers. So the camper inception technique, I think maybe we can come up Done. with a, an acronym. The, but the CIT. Yeah, the there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so many layers. Yeah. But, but the, the, it is true because it's, it's sensitive, it's a sensitive issue and, and self-esteem. I remember hearing a parent saying, you know, well, I don't want my kid to have too much self-esteem. And I remember thinking, that's actually not how self-esteem works. Um, and I understand that we don't want necessarily people to be cocky and we, we want people to be aware that the space that they're taking up, but that's actually a lack of self-esteem as well. If you, if you're on stage a lot or you, you end up speaking a lot and taking up a lot of space, you're anxious that you're not being heard. You're anxious that, uh, what you're being, what's being said isn't making an impact on other people. So we, our goal as, as camp directors is, to create the most self-esteem within our staff members and not to be afraid that that's going to create a bunch of staff members that are full of themselves. Actually, it will, it will create uh, staff members that are empathetic because they have space within themselves um, uh, without negative noise to be empathetic towards themselves. And then of course, towards others. And that's what, that's what the goal is. Self-esteem when we're in the area of low self-esteem there's a, there's a lot of aggression that's going on in our staff members. There's a lot of negative thoughts, negative words. And unfortunately, uh, those uh, thoughts, those, those, that voice is usually a lot more powerful than our voice as camp directors. So as um, Ruby was saying, the camper inception technique, I really like doing that. So one of the things that I teach our staff is the SAS technique. So to SAS our campers. Um, which is if there's a behavioral issue um, and you want a camper to stop what they're doing, um, the first thing that you do as a staff member is to stop what you're doing, um, approach appropriately. So if it's an emergency, run towards them. If it's not an emergency, then calmly walk towards them and then speak kindly. And how this has to do, what this connects to in self-esteem is the speak kindly part. If we're teaching our staff in all situations in any situation to the the end result is that you're speaking with kindness then what we're telling our staff members is everybody deserves kindness everybody deserves uh, to be spoken that way and it, and we can also make that link to their internal monologue so that's one of the um uh, the camper inception uh techniques that i like to use the other one that i like to use is um is vip which is uh validating investigating and problem solving a lot of the times we tell campers staff members uh, not us particularly but they hear the words it's you know it's not that bad you'll be okay don't worry about it and what we want is we want to not dismiss people's feelings we want to validate their feelings and by validating their feelings we're helping staff members in in within their internal monologue to say it's okay that I'm feeling this way, let's investigate why I'm feeling this way. So with campers, we teach staff members to validate the experience and then investigate. So why are you afraid of the water? Was there something that had happened in the past? Is it that you've never swam in a lake before, maybe in a pool or an ocean? Um, 
and then problem solve together. Let's come up with a solution. Let's try to find a way that you can participate that, make, that feels comfortable for you. So in the camp reception technique, I like teaching that to staff members. So then when I am talking to staff members throughout the summer about their own performance, obviously I'm using a similar, the similar technique, but it is within our camp value system to validate the experience of our campers. Therefore, it's important that we validate the experience of our staff. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. You folks out there better have lots of pen and paper today. Um, <laughs> for me, there are four steps to building self-esteem in people, in our staff. Um, and we're going to go through a couple now and maybe two more later. Um, but for me, the first is to engage them. And that's a lot harder than we think. For me, in order to move mountains of any kind, so to enhance that positive change for our staff members and obviously for our campers, trickle down, of course, but we need to create the right kind of environment for them to grow. So we need to establish a safe place where they can be encouraged to take risks, to fail, try again, figure out who they really are, and dream about the possibilities of what they will become and how they will leave their mark at camp and on the planet. And what we need is a place where staff feel loved, valued, and affirmed for who they are and who grow into young adults that will not only aspire to be their very best selves, but will also be empowered to help other people do the same. So each other and of course their campers. So we need to give them that sense of belonging. So I'm going to share a tool with you now that you can use to help create this feeling of safety. And if you've ever heard our podcast, it's one you've heard me share before, but it's really worth repeating when we're talking about healthy self-esteem. So we need to create those boundaries, ones that are easily understood and embraced by everybody. So years ago, my husband Travis and I created the four S's at our camp, and they are safety, stewardship, servanthood, and self-esteem. And for us, these four questions helped us quantify our circle of safety at camp. So there are four questions that they need to ask themselves before doing any activity or any song or any discussions with each other, whatever it happens to be. So safety, is it physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually, all those kinds of things, safe. Stewardship, are you being a good steward of the earth and all its resources? Servanthood, are you serving other people and the community with your actions and your words? And of course, self-esteem, are you building someone's self-esteem? So if people couldn't answer yes to all four questions, then they couldn't do that activity or sing that song or do that dance or, or run that program. So think about what your boundaries are at camp. Borrow ours if you like, um, or some other camps who has great ones that have resonated with you or create your own but use them every single day, no exceptions. When you create this kind of environment, you make people feel safe, which is an incredibly important part in fostering really healthy self-esteem. So I'm gonna share with you just a super quick activity that you can do during training to help people feel safe. So get your staff together, hand out post-it notes, get everybody to take you know, four or five, maybe more, whatever you like. Um, and ask your staff to think of a place where they feel like they belong and ask them to write that down on one post-it note and keep it separated. So they write down whatever it is. You'll find that a lot of your staff will write down camp, which is good. That means you're doing good things. Um, but it could be um, school. It could be home. It could be church. It could be someplace in a community center or a sorority or, uh, you know, a sports team, whatever it happens to be. Um, now ask them 
take all of those post-it notes, post them on one wall of your space, and then ask them next to think of why that place gives you a sense of belonging and to put that on another post-it note. And ask them to write down as many reasons as they can come up with, but one reason per post-it note. So you're gonna have lots of those. And what I would then do is go over things together. So I would read aloud all the answers because now I'm taking all of the second set of post-it notes and putting them on the other opposite wall. Of course, there'll be a lot more of those than the first ones. Um, read those together, categorize them um, because a lot of them will be overlapping or very similar and come up with a list. So your list could look something like, um, it could say things like, it's a place where I feel welcomed or cared for or respected. It's where I feel like I have some power or I have, I can influence positive change or um, it's where I know I will be heard or it's safe to give my opinions. All those kinds of things will come up. And then you decide together that this is how you want everyone to feel when you are together and that you will all work to ensure that all of you will feel this way. And now what I would do um, for the last step is to ask each staff member to write down what they have to offer to your group to ensure that all people will feel this way. And you can then have them share that out loud, whether it's in partners or small groups or as a whole large staff. Um, but each person can share, what do I have to offer to camp as a role model? How can I help my camp family out this summer? And then together, write your own creed, what you promise to give your fellow staff people at camp. So that's step one, is uh, making sure that you engage them in these kinds of activities and these kinds of conversations. Um, but to do it very carefully and of course with great intention. Step number two is to validate them. So this is a little bit different than Gab's. She was talking about validating feelings, incredibly important, of course. But this, is to, this particular step is to validate them exactly as they are. So showing young people that they are loved and accepted simply because they exist is the first and most important step in building healthy self-esteem. Self-worth isn't complicated. You're worthy because you exist, that's it. It doesn't increase or decrease um, based on the number of friends that you have or some grade you earned or who wants to date you, you are worthy. So creating this kind of environment, especially during those years when they're really trying to figure out who they are, will lay the foundation for you to do some really great work with them that helps them on this journey of self-discovery. So another quick training activity before we move back to Ruby is to ask them how many of them have seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life. And for a lot of them, it's something they will watch every single Christmas. Um, not exactly my favorite Christmas film. I think it's a little dark. However, um, it, the premise in it is uh, great for this particular activity. So there is a, a young man, Jimmy Stewart, um, who really feels like he's let everybody down. His life is falling apart and he kind of wants to end things, and an angel comes and shows him an alternate reality. So his friends, his town, his family, as, if, as they would be if he had never lived. And I think that sometimes it's easy to forget all the positive ways that we touch the lives of other people. So we need to say to our staff that your life matters. Your friends, your family, your acquaintances, your colleagues are all affected by you in big and little ways, and that you have a place in the world that nobody else can fill the same way that you do. So here's the quick exercise. Ask them to write down the names of people that they know, and they need to write down at least 10. <clears throat> and then next to each name, have them list one or more ways that they have given that person something positive. 
So it doesn't matter if it's big or small, if it's yesterday or 10 years ago, doesn't even remember, it doesn't even matter if the other person doesn't acknowledge it or remember it. So while they're making this uh, list and writing these things down, um, you know, play some nice music. Uh, Natalie Merchant's Kind and Generous is a lovely little song to play in there, but um, give them some time to do that. And then ask them to share with a partner three things that they did for someone. So um, they don't have to share the whole list, but three things they're comfortable sharing. And then have your partner celebrate your wonderful life. So the partner can reply with a statement of affirmation and you can decide what that would be or it might be something that they decide on their own. So they could say things like, you are unique and perfect just the way you are, um, or the world is a better place because you're in it, whatever it is you'd like to say. And you can front load with them that they may feel a little bit silly when they do this, or it might feel a little bit uncomfortable when they share something nice that they did uh, for someone, and that that's okay. That we're not used to receiving compliments like this, and we need to become more comf comfortable with it and acknowledge it and thank it um, because we are worth it and we are worthy. So those are two of the four steps. So we're going to head back to Ruby and see what else she's got going on today. Yeah, I want to share this tidbit, which is your self-esteem is your work to do. Um, that nobody can do that work for you. You can create the space, you can nudge, you can hold the boundaries. Uh, but in the end, uh, you can't just look at somebody and say, have higher self-esteem. Like, it doesn't work that way. And you can't just be like, and here's some self-esteem for you. Like they, they, even if you say that, they have to do the accepting of it, kind of like you were talking about, the, um, taking on that gift and, and understanding it themselves. And um, so a, a great resource for this is our Women in Camp Summit keynote, closing keynote, Shannon Weber wrote a book called Show Up Hard. And one of the big... Um, things that I took away from that book was the idea that you can be working with people and very empathetic, but you know, when we get too empathetic into their journeys and lives that we get really tangled up in it. And then our self-worth becomes tied up in their work, which we have zero control over. And so we have to know where to draw those boundaries um, and know that, you know, that their self-esteem is their work to do and your self-esteem is your work to do. You can be doing it side by side uh, and you can be doing it in the same space. And you can, I think what we do at camp is we hold a space where that work can be done, but in the end they have to do the work. <laughs> they have to, they have to show up and do it. So um, I like to empower my facilitators and my leaders to use the terminology and language, whether they say this out loud or it's just in their head, but looking at behaviors and, um, and interactions that participants are having, or maybe even interactions they're having with other staff and saying, I wonder what's going on here. So reprogramming the, I can't believe they just did that. <laughs> and instead saying, I wonder what's going on here. I wonder why this camper is choosing to blatantly break the rules. I wonder what's going on here, right? Um, because that allows us to put the, like, the scientist lens on and to investigate a little further and again, cools the emotions, <laughs> calms us down a little bit, makes us uh, uh, foster our curiosity and play to the curious nature of ourselves versus just the emotional uh, sides of ourselves. So I think that can be a really helpful statement for your staff to know is that I wonder what's going on here and let that guide them. And the other thing that um, I can't remember which one of you said it, but just this idea of the internal monologue I think bringing some awareness to the language that we use when we're talking to ourselves. Um, this is something that I've been working on really deliberately over the last few years. 
uh, something really simple. Like if I come back from a run and I'm super sweaty, that I'll be like, oh, I'm so gross right now. No, I'm not gross. Like I'm, I'm just sweaty. And like, yeah, people probably don't want to hug from me right now, but that doesn't mean I'm a gross human. It just means that I'm sweaty. And so when we can take some of that judgment out of our language, then that's going to change the internal monologue, which will in turn change some of that esteem stuff that's going on if we're not constantly attacking ourselves. And so I think when you hold up the mirror to folks, like people don't even think about it. And once you are thinking about it, you hear somebody say something and it's jarring. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said that about yourself. You know, when somebody's like, I'm so stupid, I can't believe oh, I did this. Um, so think about those internal monologues. I wonder what's going on here. And your self-esteem is your work to do. I love that. It is your work to do. And I think it is one of those things, and I'm very guilty of it myself. We, as camp people, take such good care of our campers uh, and our, uh, our staff and our colleagues. And then the things that we either say about ourselves or in our own heads are never things we would say to other people. Um, and so we treat ourselves often so unkindly. Yeah. And um, so making that connection so that you can start to, to do the change and do the work is a great idea. Gab, what else have you got? Well, in, um, with, uh, with staff members in, in that sense of being kind to themselves, also explaining normal behaviors and why we do what we do. So one of the things I like talking about within our, uh, the camper inception technique is um, clumps versus cliques. So I'll, just for, for people to understand what the difference is between the, the two, clumps is when you clump together out of safety, out of um, knowing versus unknowing. Usually it's when, uh, when there's new people that are coming into your circle, you tend to, or you might know them, but you gravitate to people that you're most comfortable with. And that's clumping. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's mother nature. That's, that's protective. That's okay. Cliques is when you're, you're actively excluding somebody else. So just understand that when we're trying to protect ourselves, we tend to clump and that's not negative, but we have to be aware that that type of clumping behavior might to other people feel exclusive. So just understand why we're doing that. So we're not hard on ourselves, but then also maybe shift our behavior. So just a little bit of, of education in that piece. The other thing is, um, is that it's important, um, and Ruby had mentioned this at the beginning, to be aware of your own self-esteem issues. But you can also voice your vulnerabilities. I think it's important for camp directors to voice, voice their vulnerabilities to your staff. So role modeling that you're not perfect. A lot of young camp, uh, camp counselors will look up to you, uh, think that you have it you know, all together, that you're perfect in what you do. Uh, you're amazing, which is lovely. Um, but it, it's obviously a bar that's not achievable. So to express, you know, how do you work? Where do you make mistakes? How do you get frazzled? So for example, um, not all of my staff members, but my leadership team members know I get really, really stressed on uh, visitors day and opening day. Um, I, I love uh, kids and I uh, love adults, but I love them separately. I do not like the families to be intermingled. Um, I find it extremely stressful. I'm also extremely judgmental, which I am working on. Um, but I'm mostly stressed. I'm mostly stressed because of the energy that parents bring into the camp when they come and pick up their kids or drop off their kids. is high, high amount of anxiety. Now I know I'm the one that's managing it. So with parents, I'm good. But when I, when, before parents arrive, I'm very stressed. And my staff aren't used to seeing me that way, especially uh, new leadership team members. So I let them know beforehand, this is what happens. Uh, this is my anxiety. This is why I have them. 
Um, and it shows them that it's okay to be stressed. So bringing out your own vulnerabilities is an important part of creating that safe environment that Beth was talking about before. Um, and last but not least is inviting staff members to come forward when they are confused, um, when they have questions, uh, when they have made mistakes. So creating that culture and proving to staff members that this is actually a part of our community is uh, bringing forward things that uh, you're overwhelmed by or that you think isn't right and voicing your opinion is something that we value within our organization. This isn't done overnight, of course. Um, this is something that we have to do every year. And this is something that we have to remind ourselves that it's a value within our organization. And I think one of the best ways to do that is have your returning staff members talk about uh, you know, a time when they didn't come forward for two to three to four weeks, and then they did, and how actually wonderful it was when they did. And this is the shift that we've made. Um, and talk about how do we create a healthy risk-taking um, environment. But it's something that we need to say that that is of value within our organization. And one of the things that I hear from our staff members over and over and over again, when they don't come forward, our young staff members, our new staff members, is the number one thing is they say, um, you know, it, was, it wasn't a big deal. And what they're really saying is, I don't matter in those instances. And that's why I think the camper inception technique is so important to highlight, um, highlight that, you know, that we want to build people's self-esteem. And as Beth said earlier, um, in, you know, we would never say these thoughts that we have, these negative thoughts to outwardly we also would, we also want people to feel great about themselves, but sometimes it's really hard to do that for ourselves. So uh, creating that space, role modeling that within our organization, speaking up is really, really important because you do matter. But having past staff members share those stories um, that will set the stage and then rewarding them for when they do come forward and telling them how, um, how wonderful it is to hear their opinion. Great, thank you. And just to clarify for any Americans out there who are still confused by what Gab said, um, in Canada we say cliques and in America you say clicks. So that's what Gab meant when she was cliques versus clumping. Um, <laughs> clicks versus Beth. clumping, same sort of thing. <laughs> so. Same thing. Different accent. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, it's where we Canadians keep the French part. Um, so um, my first two steps were to engage and validate. So here are steps three and four. Um, number three is educate. So if you've ever heard Jess Wiener, um, she does some great talks and she's written a wonderful book, but um, in her TED talk, she tells us that we need to help young adults understand that self-esteem is equated with confidence. But the problem is that m more and more, our young people believe that confidence equals perfection. And we've talked about this in a number of podcasts. Um, what we really need to tell them is that gaining confidence is all about self-discovery and that self-discovery is hard work and it won't be easy and there will be struggles and it will probably take a lifetime, but it's never perfect. Jess tells us that our real job as youth development professionals is to help our people discover the tools that they need to develop character, which she says is the real currency of life. So for me, what you'll want to do in this education piece is to create real intentional programming that lets your staff talk or journal or draw or create, but practice the kinds of skills that they need. 
Um, and in this day and age of people being mean to other people on the internet and our staff seeing the wor our world leaders, for example, doing the exact same thing, um, we need to teach our staff that they can be kind and genuine and supportive people and that they can develop skills to help them grow into loving, caring adults. So think about creating time during training to talk about these kinds of difficult issues that your staff face every day. If you're a co-ed staff, you may choose to have an evening program uh, or an afternoon program if you're a day camp during training that separates them into the genders that they identify with. Often this can make it easier for relatability to certain issues or give them a bit more comfort in talking about difficult things, but you also may choose um, to keep them all together, whatever works for you. We used to run a women's circle and a men's circle during staff training, and then we'd run the same thing every week throughout the summer. So I didn't uh, obviously run the men's time, but um, I will, I'm going to speak to you a bit about what we did in women's circles. So for me, this was time apart with my staff who identified as female, and it was a sacred time to share feelings and thoughts and ask questions and some real intentional learning to allow time for self-reflection and growth. For me, uh, my young women needed a place to feel safe and to share concerns and ask questions, and they needed to hear from the older women on staff, for example, the ones maybe who were finishing up university or college or had already done so, who could help share some of their experiences and their life lessons. And having these kinds of women's circles, it, it gave them time to feel empowered as female and time to feel responsible for helping each other out. So I started my program thanks to a curriculum for girl circles that was given to me by Joanne Cates of Camp Erewhon in Ontario. And she had daily activities and discussions and boundaries and guidelines. And then we took it and used it to help us create our own. So our goals for the women's circle was to talk about issues, to strengthen ourselves as women, to bring down barriers, to squash gender stereotypes. Um, if you're going to do this um, before you begin together as a group, and we used to do this every single year, you come up with your rules and you all agree to them um, and then sign a covenant together once they're all decided. So these are rules um, like um, almost every year they would say what happens in women's circle stays in women's circle. Um, there was no male bashing, crying was okay, like whatever is important to your group. And I highly recommend that if you're not a social worker yourself, you have one on speed dial. Um, before you begin a program like this because things may come up that need to be dealt with one-on-one uh, -on -one or outside of that circle. Um, and as I mentioned, our males on staff did something we called mail call. Um, very creative. Um, but um, I obviously didn't run that and what happened in mail call stays in mail call. But I do know that it was along the same lines. So creating some sort of time where they can have separate time apart or together as a co-ed staff is totally cool. Um, but it's intentional time to talk about some of these kinds of issues and to know that you've created that safe space, safer space and braver space to do that. Um, and finally, step four is empower. And so we need to let them experience the power of building each other up. They need to understand those kinds of opportunities. So, for example, um, one way is to help them understand their ability to be their own editors and publishers with the tools of social media. So we need to talk about them, to them about the power that they have to shift the media message that they receive to give their own message, which is something I truly wish I'd had as a teenager. We need to encourage them to empower each other using social media for good. So I made um, often great use of Pinterest as a camp director 
or any place where you can find nice quotes, memes, all that kind of stuff. And I would print them all out and place them all over camp. So they would go in cabins, in session areas, in the bathroom stalls, in the showers, um, everywhere I could find. And I would change them up weekly. And one of the things I loved was getting up early on Change the Signs Day and then hearing people as they noticed them and agreed with them and started discussions about them. And it really was a great way to sort of engage, validate, educate, and empower. And one last activity for me for training. Um, <clears throat> I did an activity with my staff where I asked each one of them to draw their own self-portrait. And I explained and front-loaded that there were absolutely no extra points for artistic talent, but I encouraged each of them to draw themselves as they saw themselves. And then I asked them to draw or use words or symbols, doodles, whatever they wanted to portray three things that they liked about themselves. And I will tell you, this was incredibly difficult for a lot of my staff. And then I asked them to turn to a partner and draw the partner. And after they had done so, I asked them to portray three things that were amazing about this partner. And to end off with, I let them see their partner's drawing. So they never had to share their own, but I let them see their partner's drawing. And I had them spend some time reflecting and journaling about the two different pictures that they saw in front of them and how they may need to start seeing themselves in the light that other people see them. So those are my four steps, engage, validate, educate, empower. And for me, they have to go in that order. You can't start empowering your staff on day one of training if you haven't spent time doing the engaging and the validating. They're also not equal steps. So you need to maybe spend a lot longer on the first two before you start on steps three and four. You'll kind of figure it out. And the other thing is that they're not finite. Like you don't sort of finish the engagement period and then you're done. Um, you don't spend a week or two um, validating them and never going back to that step. It's an ongoing process. So my suggestion would be for now to take those four steps, start figuring out what activities you can do under each of them, and then work them in during training and throughout the summer to have your staff um, have the healthiest self-esteem possible. Anybody have any other things they'd like to add before we go to our recap? Um, I would say um, you, you brought it up uh, briefly, Beth, but just to reiterate the power of journaling and, um, and bringing that to your staff uh, to do on a daily basis. And we started introducing journaling at three or four years ago, and we did not start on a daily basis because it was a new thing we were doing at camp, but we we started building it into our, our staff training and now we've brought it into also throughout camp throughout the summer. And a lot of it has to do with how do you perceive yourself? A lot of it has to do with um, trying to help them see what they're doing is, is, um, is, you know, valid and important. And one of my favorite um, things to ask, which is constructive is to simply ask, uh, what did I do well today? Um, how can I uh, you how can I replicate that for tomorrow? So it's it's less based on feelings and it's more based on action and it's also showing that they can redo something um, again the next day that's going to be positive and um, and they do need help with this at first and it's a little bit confusing uh, because it's like well I was great at my table I'll just be great again so it's about being uh, specific on what does great mean what does that look like and how can you apply that to different parts of camp so if you're if you did x y and z um, you know at your table 
how can you apply that somewhere else? And it's just, it's just getting into their mind what they, what techniques they're using um, and, uh, and, you know, why is it helpful, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, a, there's so many journaling questions that you can find online. And my recommendation would be to um, provide your staff members with a journal book and say that one half of the journal book is just for their own notes, their own thoughts, et cetera, et cetera. And the other half is for, um, for your, their supervisors or that they can share with somebody else. So one is um, your, for your eyes only and the other part is, is for, for sharing. Uh, so then they can get feedback um, and, and then uh, start, start off slowly and front load that this is something that's important. And it of course practices mindfulness and et cetera, et cetera. It's, there's great science on, on, um, on the benefits of journaling. That's great. Thanks, Gab. There is a camp that we met in this past year at a conference and they have added journaling into their camp program. So I think it's at 4.30 every day. Everybody on camp finds a spot of their own and they all journal like for half an hour, everybody just spends that time. And um, they've said it has really um, changed the way their campers and their staff uh, feel about themselves and um, also has brought anxiety down quite a bit. Um, so just a nice little um, plug for, for journaling. Uh, anything else for anybody before we go to, to recap? All right, Gab, take it away. Thank you. Uh, such a fun topic that we talked about today, self-esteem, and it's such a tricky, uh, tricky one. And so I've divided it into three categories. We have the camper uh, inception technique, we have a create a safe environment, and we also have keeping it real, um, inspired by Ruby Compton. So within the camper inception technique, we have SAS VIP and ask your staff members, how do you want to build your camper self-esteem and create a safe environment? Let's use the famous uh, four S's, uh, post-it note, creed, your, uh, your wonderful life, perhaps using the tagline, you're worthy because you exist. And also maybe express some of your vulnerabilities, modeling that is okay not to be perfect. Actually, we know that you're not perfect and we celebrate <laughs> that. In keeping it real, um, maybe look at the book, Show Up Hard. Um, talk about your self-esteem is your work to do and also get your staff members to be curious. I wonder what is going on here. We can also use uh, best uh, engage, validate, empower, uh, women's, women's circles, male call, clumps versus cliques, and also switching that judgment language from judgment to factual language. And that is our recap for today. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Oh, good. Um, this is the point in our podcast where we let you know how you can get involved. Um, you can join us on Twitter with the hashtag camp code and let us know the topics you'd like us to discuss, any guests you would recommend that we would like to talk to, or of course, any great leadership training tips that you have to share with us. We would love to hear from you because we are all about sharing in this industry. And if you found our podcast to be useful, we would love it if you could leave us a rating and a review for us in iTunes. And you can do that by going to camphacker.tv slash cc underscore iTunes, or you can tweet your love of the show, which we, we hope you have, um, by going to camphacker.tv slash love. And your feedback helps us keep the show going. So this is how you can contact each one of us if you'd like to do so individually. Ruby. You can email me, ruby at rubyoutdoors.com, or check out my company, rubyoutdoors.com. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at rubyoutdoors, 
and on Twitter at RubyLynn85. Great, thank you. And Gabrielle? Um, you can check out where I work at waro.com, O-U-A-R-E-A-U. And you can follow me on Instagram at Gabrielle Rail, and Rail has two L's. And also, I just want to recap very quickly. I missed one of the E's uh, for, for Beth's empathy piece. So that is engage, validate, educate, and empower. Great, thank you. Um, and you can contact me uh, at beth at gocamp.pro, our website, of course, gocamp.pro. Um, and I'm on Twitter, Topaz Fay. And Ruby is going to tell us what we're talking about next time. Our next podcast is going to be about best practices for continuing education for your returning staff. <laughs> we already had a few discussions on it prior to recording, so we're excited about that one. <laughs> Our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership training. And of course, we would love to hear some of yours um, so that we can share your effective tips and you can tell us what they are using the hashtag camp code. And for this week, we're going to hear from Ruby. Hey, Matt, you know what I love about this time of year? What's that, Ruby? I love that it's hiring season. I love building my staff team and interviewing and getting people's energy and starting to assemble this puzzle that's going to make for a great summer. Oh, that's the good stuff right there. Yeah. You know what I don't love though? What's that? I don't love all the button clicking that goes with posting jobs on job boards across the internet and the apps and the websites. It's just, it's a lot to keep track of. Yuck. Me neither. I just, I wish there was something I could do because I want to spend more time focusing on building my staff training with all these cool ideas that I get from our co-hosts from Camp Code. Uh, it sounds like you need an easy button for hiring. Yeah, isn't that what interns are for? Well, yes, but also CampGig.com. At CampGig.com, camps can sign up today to scan and search through CampGig's vast selection of candidates. If you've ever wanted an easy button for finding your next great camp staff, then head over to CampGig.com and set up your camp's profile today. We love it, and so will your intern. Find your next great hire at CampGig.com. So this week's best practice is one that I have borrowed from the Beatles. I couldn't find a write-up on this, but this is definitely something that's in their system of um, having a reflective learning community. That's a big thing that they teach when you're implementing their practices at your organization. And so one of the exercises that we did while I did training there, and I love this idea, is that they would essentially kind of put uh, an instructor up and they, this instructor has to be willing or staff member has to be willing to be vulnerable and take feedback and so probably needs to have some self-esteem at least uh, to be in this position but I think this could be a cool routine to establish for your staff meetings or periodically throughout the summer and could be a problem-solving technique for you going forward so that instructor stands up and says you know here's a challenging situation that I've dealt with as an instructor and it describes a very specific not a what if but like I dealt with this thing and sets up what the challenge was uh, and explains, you know, where they were, what the group dynamic was, um, a little bit about whatever the, the student or camper situation was, and then um, says, okay, what questions do you have? And the questions here are designed for, uh, for the folks who are listening and the other instructors in the room or counselors in the room to be able to ask questions about like, details about the scenario. So they're not saying, did you try this? Have you done this? But they're trying to make sure they really understand the scenario as it is. So 
you were at this place. How many campers were there total? And what was the mood of the group? What else had you all done that day? So they're just really gathering information. And then everybody who's you know, a participant in this activity will be split up into small groups and they talk about what would they have done if they were in that situation. And they're gonna brainstorm a list, write it down, et cetera, et cetera. Come back together, have each group share a little bit about what they would have done or what they would propose to do if they found themselves in that same situation. And then the original instructor shares, well, this is what I did. And here's what worked and here's what didn't. And here's what I've learned from all of you all that I would wanna do next time. So a really cool way to create that collaborative learning, to also practice giving feedback with a little bit more structure as far as saying like, um, not being judgmental about the decisions that they're making, but saying, well, if I was posed to the situation, this is what I would try. You may discover there's more empathy that is built because you may have people that go, sounds really tough. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and um, again, showing your staff that they have a lot of answers and knowledge among themselves. So they don't always have to come to their supervisor. And especially when you have a lot of these kind of frontline challenges or things that people might encounter year after year, that they can work off the knowledge of one another to and the experts in the room to get some ideas about how to move forward. Uh, so again, shout out to beatlesproject.org for this practice. And um, again, consider implementing more ways to create that reflective learning environment at your workplace. Excellent. Thanks so much, Ruby. Awesome. Well, that wraps things up for today. Please send your training tips our way. You can pop us an email or reach out on Twitter. And thanks for the listening, friends. Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast, please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, Summer Camp Leadership Training and Marketing Consultants. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.